Hey everybody, welcome to A Girl Talks, Recovering Codependency. Um, There is a real intimate conversation that I have with my guest, Stacey Hoach. Um, She is amazing. And um, there's a lot of post-production work that was put in um, out of respect of too many specifics and details. Um, She and I really dove into everything um and it's not necessary you know for my audience to know everything what you already know you know and that made it into this episode um but all the other you know uh the pretty and the ugly definitely had to take that out um we recorded this um over a month and a half maybe two months ago and it's finally out um i'm really happy uh with it so without further ado let's dive right in everybody welcome to girl talks i have stacy hoach with me a reformed psychotherapist turned life coach who helps codependent empaths to dissolve generational inherited traumas so that it doesn't trickle into their grandkids (laughs) stacy i wanted to tell you first of all i came across your page because i was in a very dark place during a pandemic um a breakup Um, I had been with someone who I had planned my life with, who we were working together, creating together. We were together, honestly, 24-7. Like, we did everything virtually together. And I was never annoyed by that, interestingly enough. But the interesting factor comes with the breakup when he announced me to be a narcissist and him a codependent. And I wanted to know, how do I fix this? even though in my hearts of hearts, I didn't feel like I was a narcissist, but I wanted to see what he saw, what he thought I was. And when I Googled narcissist and codependent relationships, your was your video was up there. And a key word that made me click on you versus anyone else was the word empath. Cause my spiritual healer has labeled me that for the many years that I've been going to her, which is like six years, you know? So here I was conflicted not knowing who I really was and then wanting to talk to you and start immediate therapy. Like, tell me, am I this person? How do I fix this type of thing? Long story short, I've been seeing a therapist between then and now, and I am happy to have you here on a girl talks because you help so many people dive into their truth, whatever that is. And I would love for you to be able to help navigate anyone who is uncertain of who they are and what a codependent relationship is. Because I thought I was this independent woman, hear me roar, that had my shit together when really <laughs> I discovered, okay, you have a code, a really deep-rooted codependent relationship with your whole family. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get clear on that first and foremost. We're not dealing with codependent relationships. We're dealing with codependent paradigms. So we're dealing with a codependent psyche And that translates into the way that we interact in our relationships. But codependency is a paradigm. It is not an interaction. Mm. First, it starts here. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Because for me, I never thought myself to be codependent. I just thought my parents need me and I help them out, but not realizing that they were helping me in so many ways um, to be able to help them. You know, it was almost yeah. like this, 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 this thing that I just didn't see. And then 
it took my mom walking into one of my therapy sessions for my therapist to say, wait a minute, there's got to be boundaries. Do you know what those things are? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like, and then I, and then you start to think and you're like, oh my God, I, I I don't even know what they are because I thought I knew, but I always let people walk over it or I bend backwards to the point where I then feel drained. Yeah. Well, that is when we were talking before I do want to, I want to tap on that because you said, um, well, here, I want to make a couple of distinctions. Codependency is not about, uh, see what you're, what you're defining is a meshed boundaries. Okay. And codependency, there's plenty of families that come with a meshed boundaries, but, um, codependency is more about, we gain our identity from being good right? We are good. We're the good person. And in a way we're trying to gain love in a back-assed manipulative way mm. because we're like, look, I'm doing good. I'm like, can't you just see I'm doing good? I'm doing good. And then we hate the people that don't see us doing good. And then we're like, but, but wait, wait, like we literally will focus on those people and be like, but they don't think I'm good. So I have to focus on that one and be good enough for that one. I, I, I hear you when it comes to the whole being good, because the pressures of being good has always come from both my parents. We're good, hardworking people. You know, we're good friends, but we get shitted on. Like my parents don't have friends right now because they've overextended themselves to the point where people. That's what you did in your relationship. And I, and and I realized that I saw that, like I saw that in, in their, in their friendship, like they don't have friends, you know, because they feel that they've been used or they've been manipulated or they've been doormats. And, you know, I've felt the same way in my relationships where it's like, listen, like I'm a good woman. Like I've, my first relationship, it was six years too long, but I helped him graduate. I did his homework. I, I studied for him. I did it, but I didn't, I didn't finish my RN. <laughs> the second relationship, yeah. he was abusive. Um, I, I, I wanted him to know what love was. And by me staying in this relationship and not running to anybody to tell them our business was to prove how good I love you. Just love me the way I need to be loved. You know, I, and yeah. then that, ended because you know the police got involved they saw something and if it wasn't for them i'd probably not be alive so that for the next relationship i thought okay i'm i'm gonna be better for them i'm gonna be better um and so i thought i was but it all boils down to wanting to be this good perfect person and there's no such thing as being perfectly good Yeah. The idea of even being better for somebody, I want you to see how on an energetic level is dangerous because you're not being self-expressed. You're not even giving them your true self. You're going, I'm going to be better for this person. So they love me the way I want to be loved. And that again is like this subconscious manipulation because we don't believe that we will be loved if we're exactly who we are. Right. So the, the point that I wanted to make about the independence, like I said to you earlier in a normal society, that is healthy, generations will live together for generations, right? So the enmeshed boundaries is one thing, is one aspect of it. If you have a healthy relationship with your parents and you live generationally with them, we live in a culture that says that's not acceptable because we worship independence, but we are a social species. This idea of independence is not only bullshit, it is dangerous. It is absolutely dangerous and this is why everybody feels isolated and alone. 
I am cutting in real quick because earlier Stacy and I, we had like a half an hour conversation on Zoom before we started this podcast and I shared with her the beginning, the middle, and the end of my last relationship in full detail. The pretty, the ugly, um, there was definitely no, um, no holding back. Uh, I wanted to get clear answers and be sincere and be open and in hopes to help people. Now I cut all that off, obviously, but um, I wanted to, uh, so that you're familiar with what we were talking about, punch in certain things that we did get to talk about so that you know what she's referring to when she refers to our conversation that we had earlier. Literally, the reason I came across Stacy was because my ex called me a narcissist and it felt so painful. It hurt my soul. And I knew that that wasn't who I was, but even still, I had my, I was questioning my own self and who I was. And um, that label of narcissism was like the thing that I was trying to cure and I remember when I spoke with my therapist for the first time that was how do I stop being a narcissist how do I heal this and she was like pump the brakes let me be the one to tell you if you're a narcissist or not and uh, that was kind of like a rude awakening but do not let him diagnosing you be your focal point of fixing yourself you have to yourself. I wrote an article once, like, I think I titled it, like, nothing like a narcissist to to call you a narcissist or make you feel like a narcissist or something, because it's normally, to be fair, and I'm not saying that this is always the case, but people who are willing to call somebody a narcissist are normally projecting. Like, most people would be like, oh, yeah, that guy's just a dick. Whatever. I'm gonna let it go. I feel that it's so easy to name call and label people and wants to label each other. And you're right. Like the, I, the idea of labels, I'm a psychotherapist. And when people bring me labels that other people have labeled them with, I'm like, drop it at my door, drop that at my door. Because I know I've been labeled with things. I know that that label is awesome. Cause you can just get out of it. I was diagnosed with herpes, HPV, neither of them exist in my body. I was told I had, I have a seizure disorder. I'm supposed to have my whole life. The last seizure I had was like a few years ago, but whatever. It was closer than I'd like it to be. But I don't seize every day like I used to. There's all of these labels. I took the MMPI that said you very likely have borderline personality disorder. I met some people with for real borderline personality disorder. I believe it's all malleable. The personality is malleable and changeable. The body, the energetic body is new every seven years. It's all possible for change. So the label should only be a launch pad to go, okay, now that I, and, and this is why. Your, uh, your idea of nar- being a narcissist and going, I want to get rid of that in myself. I would say, no, I would say, bring that on in, bring that on in. So you know exactly where you are. So you ha- know where to go from where you are, because most people go, I'm not a, I'm not a narcissist. I'm going to do everything in my power to prove that I'm not a narcissist instead of actually getting to where they are and going, okay, how am I that thing? And on a level of human condition, we all come in as empaths. Like I said in my video, that probably was helpful for you is every narcissist started as a codependent without a co. Children want to please their parents. And if you continuously, you know, if, if you are rejected for perseverance when you're a child, 
success is not going to feel comfortable for you. So if you're a kid going, I want to help you, mommy, I want to help you. And your parents like, you didn't do the dishes the right way. You're going to have narcissistic patterns. And my point in saying this is that in the, in a level of human condition, we all started out as an empath. If you put a newborn baby in a room with another newborn baby, they're both going to start crying at the same time. And if we don't get our empathy in check, we mirror our partners to a degree that could be potentially dangerous for us. But you said, well, I focused on his career first, and then I reached this kind of threshold where I was resentful that I wasn't focusing on my own. And that right there is where the flip happens, where I see the narcissistic codependent spectrum. It's, it, it's the normal human being is gonna go through all of these phases. When you're a child around the age of three, four, you have to be allowed to be a narcissist. You have to be allowed to be a narcissist. That is the nature of the psyche. You have to go, no, it's my world and only my world. I don't see any other way, right? And if you are systematically slapped out of your own world, you don't know how to be in yourself. You don't know how to trust yourself. And then you become a codependent. Oh my God, uh, they're coming into my world and I have to be good enough for their world. They're slapping me awake into, into this world. So yes. on a level of human condition, we're gonna go through the spectrum at different phases and in different chapters of our lives. But I think that we have to get to, instead of wanting to rid ourselves of these toxic tendencies, the first place we have to go is the awareness of, okay, that is in there. And what? What you mentioned in one of your videos was sometimes two codependent people flip the roles of yeah. one has to be a narcissist at one yes. given point. Yes, and because most people who are codependent were raised in a situation or a culture. We live in a very narcissistic, the media is the ultimate narcissist. It's so fucked. But most people who, like my guess is one of your parents is a codependent. Most people who are codependent were raised and that the blueprint of the narcissistic codependent paradigm is a pretty set in stone. Like it has a collective psychological structure blueprint that if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's just the flip-flop of the exact same thing. So when, and that has to do with superiority and inferiority, right? Like we don't know how to be in equal relationships as a codependent. We have to be like superior by helping and like, look what I'm doing. And narcissists have to be superior by like feeling like they're in power. Neither know how to have a relationship that's an eye level. So yeah, it's a, the traits are very similar, just flip-flops. And the more we can become centered, more like a narcissist, uh, or more like for a narcissist, a, more like a codependent for them, the more whole we become. So one of the cool things about what Stacy said earlier um, before this was um, how the, the the two codependent individuals uh, start to have like this this tug of war. Uh, someone needs to feel superior. Someone needs to feel validated. Some of and these are all you know uh, baggages that are are not good. And 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 this is why it's key that if you know if you're codependent, you need to balance and center yourself with a little bit of narcissism. You need to break away and you know um, think of yourself and put yourself first and not be codependent on the person that you're codependent with um, whereas you know when you start becoming narcissistic um, it's because you're taking too much of it and you're feeling all these type of emotions and thoughts and feelings so you need to center yourself and learn how to let go right of certain things and be more codependent and not so I'm going to get this done or me, 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 me. And folks, you have to, um, if you're too much narcissist, you have to figure out how to center some codependency. If you're too much codependent, you need to figure out how to center um, some narcissism. Um, again, 
narcissism and uh, codependency are not bad things, which is what we as a society think is bad. Um, it's bad when you're hurting people maliciously. Um, some of the most successful people um, have displayed you know, a nice balance of, of narcissism and codependency that have thrived and continue to put in a lot of good into this world. Like one thing that I've decided to do and was one thing that you had said, said in a video, I was like, take the mask off, let people know who you are authentically, figure out who that is. And I have unapologetically been projecting my flaws and all like I'm, I'm, I'm finally opening up about my BDD, which is, you know, I, I, my body morphic disorder, which I struggled since the age of 16, which nobody has ever known. They just thought, wow, she's got an amazing body. Oh, she used to be fat, but they don't know the psychological battle that I was dealing with, you know, that I didn't have it together, that I was never happy. Like I, that I was doing these, you know, I, I, two years ago, I started getting fillers and Botox because my partner, uh, he'd always be fixating on his hair, his body, is this, and I, I understood your gender dysphoria, your body dysphoria. I could, I felt like I could relate, but it started, like you said, mirror yeah. insecurities and becoming mine. So all of a sudden I'm like doing things to my face that I didn't even need. So now that that's gone, you know, and now that I'm talking to somebody on a professional therapeutic level, I went just to get my Botox for my headaches and my, my, my migraines and they, and the doctor who, you know, does everything for free was like, Oh, you don't want me to, I was like, no, I was like, cause I don't see them anymore. I'm not, I'm not there looking at like, I, I don't want to be perfect. Like, I just want these headaches to be controlled, you know, but like, no, I was like, no. And even like my Botox, like, look, I could still frown. Like they just give me very little bit for the headaches but I lost myself somewhere. Like it was so crazy. He met me where I was discovering who I was, but then I, I felt like I could help. I felt like I was trying to like save or fix him in some way. I don't, well, I don't think you let's know. look at that because there is some, like what you're talking about is my definition of codependency is the addiction to healing the wounds and other people we have not healed in ourselves. Right. So codependency in my world is the addiction and we feel this on a level of vibration we feel their voids and we go, Oh, I have that void. I can get right in there. Right? Like, Holy shit. I could give you potential that I haven't been able to give myself. We could do this together. Mm -hmm. And in that way, and I'm sorry to all the people who want to glorify codependence as being better than narcissists. We, when we come at it from that place, we are already cognitively superior to that person. Mm -hmm. And eventually they're going to be like, I didn't need you. I didn't need you to fix me. Why didn't you just love me as I was? Why did I have to be that potential? Why couldn't you just love me when I'm down and out? Right? Yeah. So we do, we have a tendency to find people to trauma bond with. And instead of recognizing, okay, those wounds are mine and I got to work on my wounds so that I can be an example of somebody who's healed. So you can feel me vibrationally instead of let me just build some weird ass momentum for your career and your life so you can get to someplace so then I can finally breathe and get to where I want to be. It's a, again, it's like this codependency. We have this undercut way of going about getting our needs met mm -hmm. and to your partner, he is probably on a cognitive level and I'm not justifying this or whatever, but he, he's probably like, well, why didn't you just love me that way? 
why did I have to create the music, right? Like, and because they, we do these stupid little tests of, well, you know, somebody in a codependent relationship has to be superior. Somebody always has to be superior and somebody, and, and in a normal, healthy relationship, this is balanced. You're superior in this aspect. I'm superior in this aspect. You're superior in this aspect. But in a codependent relationship, we generalize if we're really honest and we are really self-aware and we can really see the psyche, we generalize and we have to be either superior or inferior. And the second that we are equal, we're like, there's turbulence where we don't know how to be equal. So get out of my face because you're, you're looking right. me right in the eye. You're right. Because I thought, I, I, honestly, I thought with the pandemic, we had been the most productive, most creative, not fighting as much as we did back when we had other things like distracting us. And I thought we were finally like at the balance we were finding a balance. Like I thought that we were at, at a balance, which felt good because there were moments in my relationship where I would kind of come out my face and it made me feel uncomfortable because again, I do, 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 and I give, 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 but I do it with the sense of like, okay, when's it my turn? So yeah. I remember like two or three times saying, well, what about me? What about me? Like I, if I didn't say what about my music, I don't think I would have done a song in 2018. If I didn't say what about me, I don't think I would have had a song at all. And I felt bad in some aspects, making them feel bad. But it was kind of like, you do and you give, but hello. And, 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 and I've been like that, even with friends, where I'm like, okay, like 3 a.m., you, you know, your flat is tired. Like, you, you have a flat, I'm going to go there. And then I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm struggling with like, I don't know, something on my laptop. And you're like, I know that they know how to, but they're not even offering. And like, now I'm like, okay, all right, I'm not even going to ask, you know? And I would feel like, ah, oh, you know, I do all these things for people and they never do nothing for me back. And in my relationship, yeah. I thought that I could be honest with those things. I also thought I could be honest and say, hey, I can't be your therapist. I can't be your mom. I want to be your girlfriend. You know, I want to love you. You're not, you know, I, I love you flaws and all, but there's certain things that remind me of my, my young, cause he's 10 years younger than me that I was like, I wish I had, I wish I would have listened to my mother, but I'm not your mom. Yeah. You know, I was like, but I love you. It's all coming from love. But like you said, it was more like, well, why can't you just love me for me? And it's like, I do clearly I do. Like I'm, 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 I'm not running away from you. I'm not leaving you. You know, I'm the one that got left. After you yeah. made me promise not to leave you, <laughs> like, you know, it's like yeah. well, I also want to point out that if this person has been in toxic kinds of relationships and that is the normal and that's the normal for you, the second that you do equalize this is just how energy works. You're going to face uh, an, what we would call an upper limit problem, what Gay Hendricks would call an upper limit problem. And that is going to look like your energy system goes, oh, this is actually weirdly comfortable. That's really uncomfortable for me. Let me bail right because we reach this threshold just it's no different than the threshold of like oh my god I've done so much for you and now I'm like super pissed off that you're not doing it but we reach this threshold of like okay okay and what you're describing is during the pandemic we were actually like equalizing most of the time in family systems just period it gets worse before it gets better and what I mean by that is we're so we're so uh uncomfortable with our discomfort but it's more comfortable because it's our home. It's what we know. So the second things get comfortable, we're like, this isn't what I know. I don't like this. This isn't what I'm used to. So we face upper limit problems and, and the energy system plummets then. And if you're a runner in that moment, there, there's your chance. Let me run. Like this is, 
this is getting a little too close to comfort for me. That upper limit problem for him, uh, you know, don't let it be the defining moment for you about who am I, who, who did I show up as? Because again, on a human level, like you're biologically an animal. You're going to show up different every day and every, we change so much. And I have so many people like I've been on a roller coaster all week. It's like, well, you're a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you say, even when I say, take the mask off, I'm not saying that everybody knows who they are at all times. Mm -hmm. We discover who we are in every moment by being present to what's actually true for us. We can't know who we're going to be 10 minutes from now. If some unexpected thing happens, we have to roll with the punches of being an actual uh, what's the word, like transient, fluid human being and allow ourselves the grace to be those things. So I would just caution you to not let it, you know, whatever he used against you, quote unquote, whatever he's using, even though it might be true for him, which is whatever, like let that be true for him. That doesn't mean it has to be true for you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like take it and run with it and be like, I'm going to spend my life trying not to be a narcissist or a codependent. He probably said it because he knew that it would hurt, you know, and you would listen and you would believe him. And he didn't probably know a way that you would believe him. Oh. He like needed to get out somehow. And, 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 and putting that into play here, I am still thinking and worrying about him realizing it took me like a good two months to be like, you know what? it's done. It's out of my control. This is his choice. I I can't worry for him. He's his own individual, whether he's making horrible choices that he might regret in the future. Like I have to learn now what to do with this. How do I heal these deep rooted wounds that I just put bandaid over bandaid over, over a broken bone and called it, I'm fixed. I'm healed. I'm brand new. And it's been, like I said, it's been a, he, a journey. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. It's been opening up a Pandora's box of things that I didn't even remember that I was like, did that really happen type of thing, you know? And then talking about it yeah. with other people. And then it's like, oh my God, it did, ha-, you know. I'm looking for the good in this and I'm looking to discover my potential. And I'm looking to be, like you said, you got to figure out who you are and that's not going to happen in one or 10 or sessions or, you know, it's a, it's a, it's almost like my body morphic disorder. Like I had it's a every day, like what challenge am I going to face today? What am I going to do about it? Um, when you're dealing with someone that runs, you know, they want to be chased. And I never did that the first two times that he ghosted me. But in this situation, I, I kind of was, I was leaving voice memos. I was sending emails and links. And I had to sit back and be like, no, no, you got to find like that word. You know, I know it's cliche, but like, you got to love yourself. Like this, you got to know your worth in some aspects. You can't, you can't manipulate the situation to favor the outcome you want because that's not real, you know? And that was the tada moment that I had. Yeah. I, the thing is also what you're talking about and what a lot of us struggle with is really when you said like, I don't receive compliments receiving true receptivity is true intimacy. And what I hear you saying is that you actually receive the negative compliments or the comments, right? You receive that wholeheartedly. You're like, Oh my God, she said this. And this is like how I'm going to dwell on this for three days because what kind of person, (laughs) right? And we are biologically, I get it, girl. We are biologically addicted to the states that we're used to. 
Mm-hmm. So your receptivity right now, like your, your threshold for receiving good is going to be pretty low if you're going, uh, I received what he said and now I have to like go figure out if this is true and I received what she said and she called me ugly and you're not, when you're not receiving the true int- intimacy that, you know, source is throwing at you, which is all these other people being like, you're amazing and I love you and blah, blah, blah. And you, when we can really take that in and really receive that, then you're not going to go so far down the rabbit hole trying to change people's minds who you're, you're receiving negative feedback from. So if you could put yourself in a place of receptivity of not just, I love myself, but really receive the people around you who genuinely love you and let them in. doesn't matter. You don't have to take their advice. You don't have to believe everything they say, but if you really receive that this person loves me and but the truth is he probably really loves you and you don't need him in your life to receive that love. I know that's like so counterintuitive, but if you can even tap into that receptivity, you're going to not need to chase. You're going to not need to chase the diagnosis or him as a person. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting that you bring that up because I do realize that I get fixated when people don't like me. It's from when I was bullied as a kid. I think a lot of, a lot of people like us, and this is interesting, I wouldn't suspect that you were my demographic in that way, but we have a really hard time with female relationships. And I just want to point out that that's like, you're not alone in that reality. There's plenty of other girls out there being like, oh my God, look at that bitch. Like whatever, (laughs) like I I want to bring her in. I want to hug her. I want her to be the goddess that she is. And then I'm afraid I'm waiting for the slap right in the face, right? Like, because women are powerful. And, and again, here's how the codependent, we do this. We, we go like, well, how do we both be in power at the same time as women? It is conflicting it's confusing, especially if you were raised in a family that only has like, you have a mother and a father and brothers, like it was only you and your mom. So it, it's a confusing dynamic. And especially if we have like mommy issues to any degree, our have- relationships with women are very, very complex and it can be dangerous because we get enmeshed. And then if the woman isn't our mother, so it's interesting earlier, you said, I can't be your mother, but my, my guess is that on a soul level, you feel like his mother, right? And on a, and my guess it, and this is what we do to our partners, I have to be your everything and you have to be my everything. And if you're not, if you're not the person I can go to for everything, then we can't do this. And we do that with our female friends because God, we just want a mother who like mothers us, who's not enmeshed and blah, blah, blah. And we want to mother I mean, and it he, gets complex. Oh, like damn it yeah. if I do and damn it if I don't. And that's when I would say, you know, I'm, La- I'm Latina. <laughs> so I'd be like, I can't beat your mom. I can't, but, but it was just like frustration. Like how, how else can I say it if lovingly it's not getting through? Yeah. And it's Did only- you watch my recent video called if you're strangely relieved right now, because it's all about this concept of how boundaries to people who are raised in dysfunctional dynamics, people like us, I should say, cause there's many levels of dysfunction. Uh, they feel like punishment. So we don't want to receive boundaries and we never want to set boundaries because people like you and I never want to make people feel uncomfortable. And the way that we've, that boundaries have come on into us have felt punitive. So he might be in a dynamic where like you saying, please don't talk to me about that literally felt like an electric fence to his biology. And I know that that doesn't, you know, you're like, oh my God, what are I doing that now? But we just have to see where we're animals with cognition. Like it can be very confusing because his biology was probably going, 
I get what she's saying, but my biology is saying I don't feel safe because she just hit me. She, she told me I couldn't talk to her about something and she's shutting me out. And that's what my mom did. Or that's what my dad did. And that hurts. And you're just trying to set your authentic reality. And this is where people sometimes are genuinely as much as we love each other incompatible. Mm-hmm. I've come to think that that's just it. I feel like, you know, we had so much that drew us to each other. I think those voids, right. That we could, we thought we build in amongst ourselves we had this pseudo idea of having discovered self-love because dude here's the thing girl some people literally have a biological reaction to success we a lot of people i worked with somebody about this last night some people genuinely fear success and they don't know how to mend success and relationships because at some point in their life they there's a forward moving momentum that comes with success and there is a grounded anchoring momentum of rest and nurturance and mothering some people those two energies when they connect they go no they can't touch each other they don't touch yet so it really is like self-work is so important because i want to say like this is where he is now and this is where you are now but a lot of people fear success so much and especially success uh i hear this more than not like i don't know how to be successful and be in a relationship or i don't know how to stay in a relationship and and not like kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for like minimize my own success so you are might take that on and be like oh my god let me figure out him and again i would caution you don't be codependently trying to figure him out yeah right like his shit is his shit but i do want to reflect you that's probably not about you and i understand that that's a big life decision that affected you like that had an effect on your life. And if I were you, I'd be pretty pissed about it. I right. Was, but I was he, you're like, Oh, why is he doing this? Yeah. yeah I was, well, just I wouldn't be distraught. I'd be pissed. I just was feeling for him. I'm like, it's gotta be so scary. You know, it's, it's almost like, yeah. it's like almost getting married. People get cold feet. So like I was rationalizing yeah. everything. And then eventually, yes, anger did hit me like a, a few weeks later, but like in that, in that three week frame, I was very like, what did I do? Oh my God, I should have never said that to him. Like, that's fucked up. Like, I'm his girlfriend. He should be able to come to me with all of his problems. Like, I should be strong enough. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, like, and I, I was beating myself up and I was beating myself up and I'm like, man, maybe I have too many guy friends and maybe that's, you know, not good. And sh- like, there, there was just so many things that I was just like, oh my God, like, I'm the root to all of this. But you had said something in your, in your video where it takes two to dance this dance how did we get here? How did we get to this point? You know what I'm saying? Like all these little things that I've said were boundaries. I didn't know they were boundaries. I just thought they were my feelings that I was like, let's just protect. That's what a boundary is. It's a preference of maintaining your own energetic space. That's all a boundary is. No, that's that's not comfortable for me. Yep. Yep. All a boundary is. And learning that and also learning that with and applying that like my therapist was like, when you talk to your parents, they might hate me. Your friends might hate me. Your colleagues might hate me because you allow people to kind of walk all over you, but you got to start setting some boundaries. And I started applying. Yeah, but hold on. I would even reframe this. I'm sorry. I just have to stop you because it's true. And you like, if you set the boundaries in the beginning of your relationship with him, you wouldn't have reached that threshold where you were resentful that you focus on his career and not yours. Right? So you're the common denominator and it's not that you let people walk all over you. It's that you've invited 
people to walk all yeah. over you. You've asked for people to walk all over you because you thought that that was going to be your saving grace that when you needed something, then they would be helpful. Reciprocate. Yep. 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 Exactly. I set the tone. I, and, and Stacy, this is where it really like pisses me off. I'm mad at myself because I set that boundary two months into the relationship. Two years later, I'm being dumped. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I set a boundary for the very first time that I didn't know I was doing. But then because it got too uncomfortable, I was like, okay, fine. You know what? I'll just, yeah. I'll just do that. You can definitely, people can definitely be systematically talked out of their own sense of self. But like you said, I think he was purposely trying to hurt me to make me hate him. But I can't hate him. There's nothing he can do to make me hate him. You can piss me, you can piss me off and confuse me all the hell you want, but I can't hate him. Like I love him so much and I want him to be happy and I want him to be healthy, but that has to start with inside and I'm starting mine. Like I'm starting yeah. mine and I know it's, it's going to be a long process. It's a long journey, but I'm not scared. And I, well, I, I have to say something about this long journey and this long process because it is true. And you can also have immediate results overnight, but this like I said to you earlier, our, every single thing that's ever happened to us is stored in the cells of our body. And those cells, they have a memory. And that memory, and this is why I do the work that I do, because my grandmother, she lived with a man her whole life. He had children. He raped her children. He had children with her sister-in-law. He beat her bloody numerous times. I mean, hospitalized her, beat her bloody, not just like he always was beating her bloody, but it would be over like spilled milk. And so what do you think happens to my mom? And this is why therapy and self-work is so important. And I just did a video on this yesterday. My mom sees spilled milk and she will hit me. And it's because she identifies, oh, he's coming. She's 65 years old, right? But he's coming. The big man's coming. He's going to hit me because her biology goes, fuck, there's spilled milk. And I have to get to her first and hurt her first before somebody, before he hurts her, because it's going to be worse because she learned nobody can intervene with her dad hitting her mom because it would be way worse. So she, her biology creates this fear response that shows up as perfectionism and her desire for me to be perfect. And I used to bang my head on the wall, like why can it just not be perfect? And this is narcissistic abuse of finest, right? But I realized that this is how it seeps through generations. And my mom, and my point in saying this is you said earlier, like, oh, I started my therapy. It's going to be a long process. And, and my, my, when my aunt came out and said that what happened to her happened to all of them, as far as like being raped or whatever, my mom and my, the whole family told her to shut up. And I was seven years old and I lived with my grandfather. I knew what she was saying was not a lie. Mm -hmm. And they gave him everything. They gave, you know, he was the almighty and he's allowed to just get away with it. This stuff seeps generation after generation after gen those stories do not die with your life. Those stories live on in your children, those stories. And when we heal, when you heal, your mother's going to heal. It goes backwards down the number line on a level of energetics, but these stories do not die with us. And that is why self-work is so important because we are always emitting, like vibrationally, we're emitting our story and we're going to get back. And my guess is, now you're the crazy bitch, right? Like he has an idea generalizable about women. She's crazy toxic, right? Now that's his story. He's sticking to the story. You can't break somebody's story unless you break their state. 
his biology is wired to say, oh, I'm depressed and this is what's going on. And I work with transgender people. I work with people who are multimillionaires that don't feel satisfied. They think if I just change my body, it's going to be great. I'm going to be better. I've seen people from the beginning to the end of those transitions. And I always caution, you're still going to be in there. Yeah. You're that thing that you're trying to fix. is not going to be fixed when you change your body. It's not going to be fixed when you get the multi-million dollar house. It's you're still in there. You're still in there. And those stories live on in you. And his story is such that you, Jasanya, maybe just shouldn't be a part of that story because maybe that ain't your story. Maybe that's just not your story. But the irony, the irony in that is you also have a story about crazy bitches because women are bitches and crazy, right? So like you share a common denominator there. So that story is going to come back to you. And that's how the mirror of life works. Like it is, we are seeing only what our body lets us see because our eyes flip it in the mirror and we can see outward like it's inside of us none of that stuff is even out there we see it because it's inside of us so those stories are in us and self-work is so important and therapy is so important because you're not strong enough to eradicate those stories they live on you just have to change them yeah you have to like know what the story is and then change the story that's that's very empowering. That's a piece of information that I think people, it's, it's almost like common sense, but they don't, uh, people don't absorb that common sense, right? Like they're, it's so easy to say, like, you got to do the work. I mean, you want to lose weight, you got to do the work. You want to get a promotion, you got to do the work. People are so fixated on the exterior that they forget on the mind and the spiritual that to me, I felt like it was a rude awakening. It's like, duh, you got to put in the work. Otherwise, this thing is going to keep happening no matter it might be a temporary pause, which I had before I met him, but there was still work. I had no business being in a relationship. I well, that might not be true. I, I hear you in that. I don't like when people say that because you learn who you are through relationships also. But the point of this is you either do the work or the work does you. That's <laughs> true. That is. Yeah. True. And some people, there is a truth that you do have to learn what it's like to be on your own. So you know what you feel like and you can differentiate Then when you get with a partner, oh, that actually is just you that I'm feeling. That's not me. So Mm -hmm. it is important to be alone sometimes. But when people say, I have no business being in a relationship, I'm not ready. Well, you'll never be ready in, in those ways either because relationships is how we know ourselves. You cannot know yourself other than in relationship with another thing. Yeah. We only know who we are based on relationship. We have a relationship with our car. We have a relationship with our house. We have a relationship with our partner, our parents. We only know who we are based on a relationship. So to say, I have no business being in a relationship. Well, just you're in a billion relationships that you're ignoring, right? Because you have a lot of relationships in the world. That's true. That's true. If you could give someone like, it was interesting because you said that you noticed a pattern of women that you were helping um, when you were writing the book. What advice could you give women that exteriorly look like they have it together, but their relationships are becoming constantly repeated failures? What well, first of all, I wouldn't look at it like a failure. Okay. I would look at it like, okay, this is a, this is a lesson. Okay. That's good. It is. It is a lesson. It is a lesson. Yeah. A lesson to heal. It's a long going. I mean, you, I, I, I do want to talk to you after this to see how we can work together because I think that is, it's a different dynamic. You are so real and raw and, and transparent, which is not 
the traditional way of uh, the th quote unquote therapy that that people, you know, that have been doing it for, you know, 30, 40 years, it's different, you know, yeah. a lot of the times you just do all the talking and they hear and then they're like, oh, and they might question one or two things, but you're still kind of left with, but why do I still feel this way? Why am I still thinking that it's a failure versus a lesson? Or why am I still thinking that there's still something wrong with me when clearly, you know, we all have issues, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, you could tell people where they can find you and all that good, good. <laughs> Any other piece of gem you want to drop, that would be really cool. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't know. There is something I do want to say about the therapy model, though, which is this. It's you, some people, you, you know, that one gem in that session might be exactly what you needed, but I wouldn't be so focused on why do I feel this way? No therapist is going to be able to come in and make you not feel. I have people being like, this is taking too long. And I'm like, okay, immediately they're in resistance to the process. Mm -hmm. And that resistance contracts the energy body. And when we're not open to healing, when we're not open to receiving, when we're not open to information or just to letting letting it be what it is without the expectation. Like, why didn't my therapist ask, say some more shit? Or why didn't she ask me more questions? There is this contraction that happens when we go into therapy with the mindset, I have to fix myself instead of, I want to know myself. Mm. Right. So your therapist can sit with you and go, okay, I'm curious about you. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to be with you while you know you. So you can share you with me and I can be with you while you do. That's my job. My yeah. job isn't to fix somebody because there's no, especially in therapy, if you're not basing it on energetics, there's no way you can quote unquote fix somebody. And if they come in thinking they need to be fixed, I had a client say to me the other day, she was like, I just want to make sure you're not going to drop me as my client, as your client, because I'm not so sad anymore. And I was like, I'm not going to leave you <laughs> while you're doing good. Right. We have these ideas of crisis. Like we only know how to, especially as a codependent, we only know how to be in relationships with people when they're in crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and my clients come to me, go, Oh, I'm not in crisis anymore. She's going to leave me. Yeah. And so the, the, what the mind does is we then create crisis in our minds or we'll create a physical illness in our bodies mm -hmm. to have a crisis, to be able to connect over. So I would say be oh, like, sure. Work with me, work with whoever, but whoever is doing this with us, we have to be open to just being with them instead of this idea that, oh, it's your job to fix me or tell me why I am the way I am. Really, it's their job to explore you with you so that you can answer those questions for yourself. And it's not even about the why. It's okay. I realize that I have this thought that it was a failure. What do I want to do about it? Not why do I have the thought? Why might be important in context. But right now, my only leverage is what am I going to do with the thought? Yeah. It's not a failure. It didn't fail. Girl, it brought you here and it's going to take you to the next place and the next place and the next place and the next place is going to be even better. And my guess is it might even bring him back somehow and it might bring a different version of him back. So it's not a failure. This is not a failure. This yeah. is just what is. And the more we resist what is and, and go, I have to get rid of this. I have to, the less we accept, the less open we are, the less uh, willing we are to manifest the things in our lives that we actually want. So just don't try to fix yourself. Just be in the position of, I'm interested in knowing myself no matter what it takes. This isn't about fixing me. I'm not broken. Like relationships didn't fail. I just, I just want to explore me 
in relationships with people, in equal relationships with people. And that's another thing about the therapy process that might be challenging is that you think, oh, this therapist is superior to me. And then eventually you'll get to a place and go, she's not fucking superior to me because she didn't tell me what was wrong with me, right? And that's not good either because you don't have any sense of, I'm just willing to be with this person. Just yeah. be with them. Yeah. It's, it's work. And I'm right. And I've, I've been putting in the work. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be patient with it. Like you said, it led me to you. It led me to, oh my God. I mean, I, people, like I was blowing up Stacey's DM. <laughs> I hit up your other, both, both pages. I was like, oh, I need to hear back from her. I need to hear back from her. I was like, can you squeeze me in? Can you squeeze me in? Because I, I want to, I do, I, I want to. And I think that's the better advice to give to anybody. It's wanting to do it because you want to, not yeah. anybody else. Yes. And it's dirty work. Let's just go here. It's grimy. It's bloody. It's disgusting. You're going to see your own asshole, right? It's dirty work. Um, and I, I said actually to that person the other day who said, I'm afraid to lose you because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm in a different place now. Some people, the people who come to me because they just want somebody who gets them have a way better, quicker, faster, expedited result to gaining themselves than the person who goes, I need somebody to fix me. Mm. Like I'm here because I need a therapist instead of, I just want somebody to talk to who gets me. When people come with me, come at me, and that's like, honestly, to be fair, girl, that's why I didn't respond to you right away because I was like, this girl is like, I used to respond to people so codependently and that frequency, I felt you like, I'm in crisis. <laughs> I was the girl. I was the girl who would like go to my own office as, as a psychotherapist and my, you know, my clients would be like smoking crack in the, in the freaking parking lot. Like I'm in crisis and I'd be like, I'm right here for you. And now I'm like, no dude, that's a different world for me. Like I'm not in that world anymore. And I honestly, my codependency, that was my world. And I feel bad the more I level up and I leave that world, the more I say like, that's a frequency that I lived in. That's hell. I am not for anybody anybody not even myself going to say i have to run down that rabbit hole to fix you and stop that because that right there is how you stay stuck in hell that's so a good point and yeah. that's that's great practice of self-love because you know how to protect yourself it's that i intend to be a healing room not an emergency room yeah and i know what my biology feels like when i'm in the er and it's not good and i'm not helpful if i would have jumped in your boat with you which is what i would have done in the past as a therapist you would have felt I wouldn't like, have served you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I wouldn't have served you. And that's, I, I got to be like, girl, come swim over here. You swim over here. Right. Like yeah. you can do it. You can do it, but I'll get you in the boat. Once you're willing to swim your ass over here, I'm not jumping in that boat. And yeah. we do that as codependents vibrationally so quick. We go, it's almost like you receive that boat. You receive that call. You receive that crisis. You receive that comment that's negative And you go, oh, let me latch onto that. Let me jump in that boat instead of, ah, if it's really worth my time, like, yeah. It's going to find a way to like sink in over here somehow differently. Yep. Oh God. Yeah. I've, I've actually turned away from like, I'll, I'll still comment because that's, of course, I'm going to, if I see something I like, I'm going to comment, but I'm not looking at other people's comments underneath mine. You know, I'm yeah, I never could. Oh my God. That's like, dangerous for the psyche. Like, when you say people that need healing, that's a very codependent way of looking at somebody else because I can look at my mother who like literally, and I understand why, but she's a hundred percent a codependent narcissist. 
like diagnosably. And I've seen her, I've, I've seen her because what we project onto people changes them. If we love them differently, if I love that inner child that comes to my house, like wanting to be a bitch and I don't try to defend myself, but I say like, nah, I'm not having that. I, I will, I will mother you in a different way than that. Um, it's a different reality than me being like, you need healing. Um, that's a very codependent and superior way to look at somebody else because my mother's like, no, I fucking don't. I got you here, right? She raised an awesome person. Let's just give hands down for that. She abused the shit out of me. She uh, did everything that she possibly could to make it harder for me. And thank God I chose her to be my mother because that contrast allowed me to be who I am today. So she doesn't need quote unquote healing. Mm -hmm. She could definitely use it, but coming from even that mentality of thinking she needs to heal, she needs to change. That's me believing she needs to change, period. I want to do this outro correctly. Please tell people where they can find you and uh, what exactly that you offer in case they're listening to this and, and, and want to start this journey of theirs. Awesome. So I am Stacey Hoke. I am an energy-centered psychotherapist and a somatic embodiment coach. I am the author of Imperfectly Sane. So if any of this shit resonates with you, <laughs> do yourself a solid and go get my book um, because you will understand it and it will help you to understand yourself and up level, hopefully in, in a new, bolder way on a spiritual level and a physical biology level. Um, I have a private practice. I am the mom of four. So I am super busy in my private practice and I am actually booked out, but I do, I just launched a um, soul centering after toxic shame virtual e-course, which hopefully that can supplement all the people who are like, how can I get on your schedule for now? So yeah. well, that's um, check me out. Yeah, that's fun. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about it, but people can check me out at Empower Us. I think my, I might've changed my name to Stacey Hoke Empower Us, but I'm Empower Us on YouTube. It's, a, it's an awesome name. It's an awesome name. Dude, I, think, I trademarked it. I couldn't believe nobody did when I was like, what do I do? I'm not really a therapist. I'm not just a therapist. I'm not just a coach. What do I do? And, and like the hit came to me one day, I like went for this three hour walk in the woods. Like, what are you really? And it was like, you are an empowerist. And then I looked it up and nobody had trademarked it. And I was like, damn, this is so corny. I got to get it. I got to do it. Well, I'm happy that you did because you are, you are Empress. You, 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 you are a amazing human being who, like you said, you, you're the, you're the product of your, of, of what was meant to be to make you, you that now helps heal other people. And, yeah, and so are you girl. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you for your Friday time. Um, enjoy your weekend and it's almost two, 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 which is my favorite that I always get to see. So, um, Thank you. And everybody, make sure to check her out. I'm going to have all the information below and uh, subscribe to her channel. Get her book. She's the real deal. Nice. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Have Bye. a good one. Bye. Bye, girl. <laughs> Bye.